0: Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Christopher Michael, joined by Christopher David. Hi. And today we're talking about all things chickens.
1: Our favorite
0: topic. <laughs> Let's get into it. Christopher David, we've had chickens for three years. Going on four? Mm-hmm. July, it'll be four years. And it's been, I think, quite the experience.
1: It really has been. I grew up with raising 50 chickens at one time just for eggs and selling them to neighbors when I was in middle school and high school. And that was an experience. But as I've gotten older, I've been way more responsible and I
0: absolutely adore our boys and girls that we have now on the farm. I didn't have any chickens when I was younger because I grew up in the suburbs. Yeah. And I, they probably weren't even legal to be honest with you. I didn't know anyone that had even really seen a chicken mm-hmm. in real life, unless you had gone to like the petting zoo or something.
1: Then when we made the move down to the farm here, it was that July, July 4th, that we were able to acquire some black astrolorps from a farm in a neighboring county. It was really tough because that was when kind of the chicken rush was going on, if you could call it that, where everyone...
0: Yeah, during covid yeah, everyone was at home and they wanted to it was have chickens.
1: Chickens were sold out yeah. and yeast mm-hmm. was sold out. And everyone, totally paper. Yeah, everyone automatically became bakers. Yeah, and then stopped. Yeah, now they're done. <laughs> <laughs> it's much easier to, to buy from the store instead of making it
0: yourself. Also, sidebar, if you have a bread machine, you're not a baker. If you're making bread in a bread machine, you just put all the ingredients in, set the timer, and then the bread's made. When you get back, that's not actually making bread. <laughs> Just so you know.
1: Yeah. Anyway, we absolutely love our chickens. Oh, yeah. It's been a huge learning curve for us. Even though I had chickens, like I said, I'm way more responsible now. And you really do have to pay attention and take care of their cuts and scrapes and their illnesses that arise from time to time. And keeping them from predators is a full time job as well. I don't like the idea that people think that chickens are expendable, Yeah, that they're just kind of like, you can easily, you know, it's expected to have them die. Or like in the Foxfire series, they were interviewing that stupid bitch from North Georgia that said that it's a given that poultry will have cholera. No, it's not dumb fuck. It's your stupidity and lack of management that causes it.
0: Yeah, it, it, has everything to do with management. It really does. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about your rational, irrational fear of birds <laughs> and how this relates to chickens.
0: I don't even know where it started. I just have always, up until we, we got chickens and I started working with birds, I have always just had this irrational fear of birds. And I, again, I have no idea where it really came from. The only bad experience I had with a bird was... A sun conyard named Cappy that my irresponsible parents bought for some reason. I think my stepmother wanted something exotic and she always got what she wanted. Well, like her, the bird was a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and he like pierced my ear, like the lobe of my ear. That had to hurt so bad. It was probably one of the worst pains I've ever uh, felt because, I mean, he just latched onto it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was probably, I don't know, eight or nine years old. Mm. And I also just don't like when things swoop, right? So it just makes me nervous when I see like large flocks of bird in the sky that can just swoop down and hit me. That's kind of where the irrational, it never happened. I just had the <laughs> I was going to say, has, has that ever happened to no, you? No, no. That's why it's rational. Yeah.
1: Well, fortunately, our boys and girls do not swoop and no. attack or bite us. The only one that did bite us um, lost his head a yeah, few months he's not, ago.
0: He's not here no more. He's no longer with us.
1: But the other two boys, George and Thomas, named after our founding fathers,
0: they're doing pretty well. Yeah, they're they're definitely boy chickens are so much different than girl chickens. It's on. The, they're basically a different
1: breed, like a whole different species of bird, because. Obviously, they're very loud and obnoxious. Yeah. They tell every predator on the planet or within earshot, so it's about two miles, that they're there and come eat us. Yeah. And we're going to let you know exactly our position.
0: Yeah, there's like no survivability sense to them.
1: And I understand that chickens come from the Malay jungle fowl in Southeast Asia, but they've been domesticated for like roughly what, eight to 10,000 years. And No one thought to breed like a mute rooster. (laughs) Really?
0: Yeah, it's just kind of one of those things. I don't know if it's it's not maybe possible to do that. Yeah. I'm not sure.
1: They had those like mute barking
0: dogs. Oh, yeah. And they're weird though. I don't know if I'd want that.
1: Well, okay. But I think the point of this story is that roosters love to let everybody know that they're there. And it's a pretty easy meal.
0: And because we, we live on the ideas of permaculture, they're in zone one. They're mm-hmm. they're quite close to the house, probably less than 25 well, feet. Well, if the
1: well's 30 feet, they're, yeah, maybe 40 feet or so, yeah.
0: So we hear them quite often. I think it was quite funny at first.
1: It was because when they started to learn how to do it, it was more like a like a croak. Yeah. Something
0: it's kinda of, it was fun to to watch them grow up. But yeah, like I was saying, boys are so much different than girls. They have two totally different dispositions. Mm-hmm. Because the girls, for the most part, are quite happy to just stand around, do do their own thing. They love to huddle together and preen themselves. The boys are just like on all of the time
1: and by that it's that they want to fuck. Yeah. They want to crow. They want to tell all the girls where to stand, where to sit, when to take a dust bath. Yeah. You know, it's basically like Klaus Schwab but just in a bird form.
0: Yeah. yeah it, it they're they're just so like authoritarian with mm-hmm. it. Um and it, it's it's kind of annoying because the girls just want to they just they're perfectly fine if you just let them what they want to do they're incredibly productive they will go out and scratch up an entire garden and not miss a spot Mm -hmm. if you just allow them to do what they want to do and like sometimes the boys interrupt that
1: yeah i think so too yeah you know i can see the plus of the boys are that they watch everything you know if there's a sparrow or a bluebird they're gonna alert everyone letting them know that something's up at the same time The micromanaging is a little much. And I think as we continue to breed and select for certain dispositions, it's going to be like much tamer boys. Mm -hmm. There was an article, I think it was on Mother Earth News, talking about a lady that breeds her own chickens was selecting for a more docile rooster so that he wasn't jumping on her or jumping on the girls nonstop. And she was saying that she wants kind of a rooster in the middle so it's not aggressive all the time and it's not very docile i personally think that leaning towards the docile disposition is much better and more ideal for our situation we don't need a rooster that mates every 10 minutes Mm -hmm. so if it wants to mate once a year i'm fine with that because they do over time we have 14 girls and two boys and they do start to erode the feathers. I'm not really sure the, the proper term for that, but the the feathers wear down on the backs on some of the more popular girls, and we have to put little protective coverings over them. So having a rooster that is a lot less sexually active would be ideal.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about... So we have black astrolarp chickens. Yes. And there's tons of different breeds. What made you go with the Black astrolarp as opposed to another breed?
1: I got into Black Astralorps because I really enjoy their disposition. They're excellent egg layers. I think they're the most productive egg layers around. And they have beautiful colorings, even though they're solid black. When the sun hits it, it's like emerald, amethyst, and their beautiful bright red combs are just really striking. I think they're also really hard workers the two most productive girls are Abigail and Madison. Abigail was one of the first of the six, and we since we got them on July 4th, we named them after the founding fathers' wives. Mm -hmm. So Abigail hatched our eggs that we had, or fertilized eggs that we had purchased from Meyer Hatcher in Ohio, and only one was fertile, and that was Madison. And Abigail instilled an incredible work ethic in Madison. And those two little ladies are out there nonstop working rain or shine or snow or wind. Those girls are out there scratching away, making this place very productive.
0: Yeah. You can set Abigail or Madison out there and they will just till up a garden like no one else. Single-handedly. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then they just love to do it.
1: The first six girls that we got were Martha, Hannah, Sybil, Abigail, Betsy, and Molly. Molly is the, the mother who raised our ducklings, mm-hmm. which was really sweet. But she only did it for two weeks and then left them on their own. Fortunately, ducklings grow up very quickly. So within those two weeks, they were able to take care of themselves, basically. And they didn't have to have extra heat like chicks would
0: was like this was so much fun bye <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she left man
1: she was out of there martha mm-hmm. is a big girl she lays huge eggs i love my martha but she is such a sweetheart she wants to lay there sun herself she wants to preen she wants to take best when she wants to she doesn't want to be bothered by anybody she loves sitting in a good bush she does <laughs>
0: she just loves a good bush yeah
1: <laughs> who doesn't love a good bush to yeah. so rest your face in? yeah
0: she she just loves that she's sweet because i go well we go out there and sit with them and she always has a spot
1: that's right yeah And it's usually wherever the fuck she wants to sit Mm -hmm. right in the middle of the path or (laughs) anywhere
0: else. And uh, so Hannah and Sybil are kind of like the bitchy girls.
1: Yes. Hannah is the top girl and Sybil is a psychopath.
0: She's she's a lot sweeter than she was. Uh, She just has really crazy eyes and she's one of the ones that used to go and randomly attack for fun
1: yeah she would jump on the backs of the other girls and try to pull out their feathers which is incompatible here so it's just she needed to you know calm down a bit and once we had the roosters they pretty much told her her new place in life
0: (laughs) yeah because we introduced them when the roosters were mostly fully grown
1: yeah because i do want to mention that we learned not the hard way but we did you know observe that the roosters mature a lot quicker oh, than yes. the hens do like
0: twice as fast
1: yes so when the boys are like four months old they they want to mate and the hens that grew up with them the same age are not there yet at all they have at least another two months to mature so that meant that we took the boys and separated them until the girls started to lay eggs and then we reintroduced them to like what you were saying about Sybil.
0: Yeah, and there were a bunch of different fights, and to see who was going to be top dog, uh, Abigail threw her little body in there, and she was she was beating ass and taking names.
1: Little Spitfire. Yeah, she, she got is, like three fights in a row. <laughs> she is the littlest girl, and she was kicking everybody's oh ass.
0: It was, it was really funny to see, because the boys were like, mm, I'm not interested in that I oh, don't yeah. think they mess with her at all oh
1: yeah for a while because George was he's the leader and she absolutely told him not right now
0: nope Mm-mm, not interested mm-hmm.
1: the reason why we started to get chickens in the first place was so we could have a regular supply of eggs mm-hmm. and six was a really good number to start with I think yeah. because it had been years since i had raised any myself and you hadn't ever before so it was nice just to get a small number of them but enough so that they had a flock to deal with and you don't want them to have one or two obviously never have one chicken because they're flock oriented but I think that was a good number to start with and it wasn't hard on the budget they didn't eat a whole lot and we were able to make large pens for them yeah at, at least like fit. well the one that they're all in right now it's 50 foot long by 20 foot wide is the center pen and then we have additional pens off of that circling the coop some of them are orchard food forest rows and then others are actually garden beds themselves that we rotate them through throughout the year
0: one thing i think that kind of surprised me within the first year of having the chickens was just the amount of eggs that they produced Mm -hmm. it was just just the six of them it was absolutely insane
1: yeah, especially in springtime, we actually had to figure out ways to deal with them because it was just the two of us. During yeah. you know, it was during the height of the pandemic, so the neighbors weren't interested in talking to us at all. So you found out a really great way to store them. Yeah,
0: it's just water and and hydrated lime. Um, you can get it, I think, at like Lowe's or Home Depot, or
1: we got it from an Ace Hardware okay. store. That's a co-op nearby.
0: Yeah, it's the I I don't remember the exact. It's to do with like the, the, how much water versus how much lime mm-hmm. and you have to do it in increments. So you can just add more water and add more lime if any of it evaporates, but you can store them up to uh, a year or two years. And in the show notes, I'll put the link of the video that we watched on uh, how to do it.
1: Yeah. But it lasted a whole year. Oh yeah, absolutely. We went yeah. to bake with them and they were totally sound.
0: Yep they were perfectly fine and you, and you can tell a really good way if if you put an egg into like a little pot of water as long as it's covered and the egg lays down on its side perfectly fine 100% fresh if it kind of is tilted up but it's still on on the bottom then it's like on its way out and you can still use it, but you need to use it soon. And then if it floats, it's not good. Yeah, you, don't, the, you don't want that. Definitely not. And, yeah, after a year, it was, it was still on its side in that preservation method. So perfectly fine to cook and eat. And they tasted just as uh, normal as a fresh one- or two-day-old egg.
1: Right. And then with the chicken coops themselves because we're technically in a flood zone but there's no documented evidence that it ever flooded here and the neighbors who have lived here their entire lives said that it hasn't we just wanted to be safe about it and elevated the chicken coops two feet off the ground but that has actually come in really handy because we have had zero predation issues with raccoons or minks or fox or possums or cats coyotes which are all around here but because it's elevated it helps give that extra safety off the ground Mm -hmm. so these animals can't break into the coop like they more easily could if it was just on the level ground
0: yeah and and so we built the the first one probably pretty quickly i think we could just kind (laughs) of didn't really do it from a plan it doesn't look it bad together. but yeah
1: it is kind of ratchet yeah and
0: you can you can definitely tell that we learned a lot in between <laughs> yeah i um, think so and with the new coop that we have but it also taught us the the value of having more than one coop for chickens that are sick or if we decide that one of them that goes broody we want to have babies uh, something like that so they're able to quarantine
1: Yeah, you know, going, tying into like building resilience, I think that they're really exceptional to have on the farm or the yard if you're on a smaller property. The place that they're in right now, we're in the inner sanctum of the farm, if you will, is about two acres. And that's pretty much the extent that we've been able to cultivate within the three years of being here. So I think that they're incredibly suited for smaller size yards, you don't need acres and acres of them having said that if you're worried about budget trying to feed them or just the amount of expense starting out with the coop and the fencing and the feeders and that sort of thing i would suggest trying out bantams just getting a smaller version of the regular size chickens they still lay decent size eggs and you know, I think like Plymouth Rock bantams lay almost as many as the full size chicken would. They take up
0: a fraction of the space. So are they like half the size of a normal chicken, the third?
1: Yeah, easily. And they, they take up just a fraction of the food that a regular size chicken would consume. But I think it's like on like two bantams make a full size chicken, yeah. basically. And I think that would be an excellent idea to have if you are starting out and I'm even thinking about it myself for us in the future Mm -hmm. because I'm concerned how things are going with having enough food for them but with the roosters just how loud they are they let everybody know that they're there and you know when people are starving which people will be since they're not getting off their ass and growing any food they're going to be looking for meals like that. And so I, I am concerned about the safety of our flock. And if we have smaller chickens, we're able to kind of fit them into smaller coops and probably easier to secure structures. That means like in one of the storage containers or a shed, they would you could fit a flock in there a lot easier than you would a full-size flock. And they were going to be a lot quieter.
0: Let's talk about... All the ways that we use the chickens. So not only just for their eggs, but there's just so many different utilizations on the farm.
1: I love that they are excellent soil rehabilitation animals. They're in there scratching up the soil. Their poop attracts a lot of microorganisms that help build the soil up like earthworms. They are great at processing fallen fruits, pest pressure, eating all the grasshoppers and earwigs and Japanese beetles. They love them. Utilizing them just for meat, I think, is absolutely asinine because-
0: It seems very wasteful.
1: It really is because it is a huge investment when you're putting all this time and energy and resources into growing this animal out and having this partnership with them especially their contributions to building up the soil fertility, which is huge here because the soil when we arrived was just absolutely depleted and dead. So it's absurd to me to raise them up even for six months and then eat them for one meal.
0: It also speaks to the entitlement of people. They have to have a meat source every Mm -hmm. single day of the week. I think it's like the majority of people, at least in North America, have meat almost every single meal, if not at least once a day.
1: Right. And that's what we've talked about this before, but people just think it's a birthright Mm -hmm. that they can consume meat all the time. And talking to an elderly neighbor, he's in his 80s now, was saying that when he was grown up, they rarely had meat. And they had all sorts of farm animals. But because of that investment in raising those animals, like chickens, for instance, would you rather have them lay eggs every single day or eat them for one meal and now the whole egg production thing's out the window?
0: Yeah, and because when you think about it, you know, with the eggs, yes, obviously you can just eat eggs. But there are so many things that you can make with the eggs that it's like – value added products into that that one thing and then you know instead of that you just raise a bunch of meat chickens so that you can continue to be gluttonous i don't know i i just i find it personally morally irresponsible to raise them that way Hmm. that's just an opinion sure
1: but like as we were saying just a moment ago their contributions outside of just eggs or meat is pretty astounding when they're helping with the pests and the soils like i said we have really bad soils here and their poop is just phenomenal Mm -hmm. at helping plants grow it's it's the comparison between the plants growing inside their pen versus outside is amazing it's quite stark we have elderberry bushes we have hazelnuts inside there i want to make their pen as jungle like as possible because that's where they originally come from so they enjoy that overhead cover especially in summertime so they get the shade from it so the elderberries have grown up probably three times the size inside the pen with access to their poop versus plants that have been grown further away from them
0: oh yeah the marge elderberry that we have in there is gigantic i mean
1: yeah she's huge whereas she's probably 15 feet or more whereas the other ones planted further away that don't have access to the fertilizer are maybe eight feet
0: if that yeah she's like what 15 20 feet high now Mm -hmm. it's i mean and and that's in not that much time and it happened pretty quickly. that's in two years yeah time Yeah. yeah
1: and then so the new pen that they're in right now we planted two peach trees one reliance peach and one carolina gold peach and then a terry heirloom apple and then we have autumn olive bushes which they love the berries to autumn yeah,
0: they're obsessed with them
1: yeah and fortunately the you know it's very prolific and it's a frost tolerant plant so it does really well here and it puts nitrogen in the soil as well. So we planted a bunch of them inside the pen. We have a uh, non-native mimosa tree as well, and so they all can grow up and provide shade for the girls. Being black, they absorb a lot of that heat during the summertime, and so they're very prone to overheating. So having all these plants in there gives them cover, provides food, and utilizes the fertilizer there, but then also gives them shade.
0: And they love some good shade. They really do. I wanted to go back for just a minute to when we have the the coops two feet off the ground. Mm -hmm. It also is a great place for them to dust bathe.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because it keeps it really dry. So it doesn't matter if it's raining outside. They can even go underneath there and have a dust bath.
0: Yeah, it's important for them because that helps to, if they have any mites or anything Mm -hmm. on them, helps to suffocate them and actually uh, makes them very clean
1: yeah and you said it's very therapeutic for you to watch them do it. Oh my
0: god, I love it. That's one of the other things I wanted to say that the chickens add to the to the property is like emotional therapy. Mm-hmm. I love watching a chicken dust bathe because it is such a almost a dance that they do and they fall asleep doing it because it's just so uh, comforting and nourishing to mm-hmm. them to watch them. Do it is, um, is kind of uh, crazy, especially if you're just really anxious about something. You're feeling a little bit depressed. Spending time in nature anyway is just a really good tonic. But we also just love sitting with the chickens, and they jump up on us and sit on our laps. And the
1: personalities, they're you know every single one of them has their own personality, good or bad, yeah, and you know many in between. So that's why it's so sickening to see these animals by the thousands raised as a commodity as a machine to be extracted from so that farmers large and small can make a profit from it's very psychopathic and I have no problem with chickens being raised like in a Joel Salatin method where yes they are raised for meat but they are done it's done in the most humane way possible and it's to honor the animal so that they can live out their life in the way that they were intended to do so. So they're out in the field eating, they're sleeping at night with the lights turned off. Whereas industrial ag they're packed together in their own poop all the time. There's all sorts of insects crawling over their feet and in infesting that shit that they can't take dust baths in. They can't enjoy life at all it's very basically a prisoner of war type life and then they're gassed or they're killed and they're either gassed or or put down another way it's just a very psychotic system that it doesn't have to be that way
0: yeah there was a um study that was done in scandinavia one of one of like norway or denmark and it basically said it translated to the united states it it says that if one in three families had chickens there would be no need for a commercial chicken industry
1: that's pretty scary to the commercial chicken industry exactly you know that's why
0: they don't that's why they 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 don't want people to be resilient and have chickens on their own they want to be relied on
1: yes exactly one of the major reasons why we wanted to do it ourselves and also expanding on that idea after we purchased the ducks we saw just how they were coming from mcmurray hatchery in california that's a very long journey for newborn babies to be shipped all the way across the country then at the post office distribution center, mm. the people working there, I'm trying to be politically correct with it, did not give a fuck about the welfare of those animals at all. And I was very close to going over that counter and beating that jackass's ass. So after that experience, we decided, look, if we want to do this again, let's get some boys and so that we can start breeding our own flock so that they don't have to be shipped all the way across the country. Even with Meyer Hatchery, I really like them and know they're not a sponsor or anything like that. I really like their customer service and the quality of their chickens that they breed. I still wanted to have that type of supply line much closer to home. And that you know that's what we talk about when we say simplifying, it's not living in a cardboard box or anything like that, it's reducing the supply lines.
0: And the first six girls that we 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 got, we got from a local farm.
1: Yeah, that's right. We picked them up. Having said that, with those girls, the genetics weren't as good uh-huh, yeah. as I would like to continue perpetuating the breed. And I also wanted to make sure that I got a high-quality flock that I could continue breeding because this is a heritage breed chicken. So I didn't want to get a breed that was kind of mainstream. I wanted to get something that was... A heritage breed that we could preserve that legacy and that contribution to
0: humanity. So that's why I we
1: went with the Black astrolarps.
0: Have you thought of other breeds that you would want to get? I think the
1: barred Plymouth
0: Rocks mm. would be
1: another dual-purpose heritage breed that would do really well here.
0: I really like the brown-laced wine dots. Mm, mm-hmm. I think They're so beautiful. And the
1: golden lace and silver lace yeah. as well are just stunning. Yeah, I really like them. The thing is with the roosters that's it, you know when you're breeding it's really challenging because there's only so much you can handle and it does it is expensive when you start having to do fences and different coops and all the food and stuff like that so we have to kind of manage what we're working with right now within our resource constraints.
0: Yeah and, and about the fences so that's to obviously keep them in but it's also to keep predators out and i remember reading on it was either reddit or some other forum where a woman says it's inevitable that one of your chickens is mm. it's going to get killed mm. by a predator and i think that's a defeatist attitude but it also it takes off that responsibility for you it's a management issue it if is any of those girls died because of a predator mm-hmm. it it's going to be because something we did wrong
1: absolutely that's right yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because once again, people just view chickens as expendable. Yeah. That's so stupid with the amount of time and energy and money that's going into these things. It's a huge investment. Are they going to just willy-nilly deal with their stocks like that or treat their children like that
0: or treat themselves like that? It's just it's stupid. And kind of going back to you were talking about all the girls and 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 the boys, they have personalities. Mm-hmm. All of them. Every time that I go sit out there and put my chair out there, my little girlfriend Maya comes up mm-hmm. and and sits on my lap. And it's it's almost without fail, she comes. She's the one of the first one that yep. comes over to say hi. They can remember up to a hundred faces, so these are quite intelligent beings. That's right. And I think people they don't see them that way.
1: That's that's a huge cultural problem that we we have to change that. Yeah, because it it goes off of that psychopathy. And if we realize that those animals are sentient beings and have feelings and emotions themselves, maybe not in the way that humans express it, but nonetheless, they still have emotions. We might actually feel uncomfortable eating them and gassing them to death or in the case of if they have to shut down, like, a chicken house for contamination or anything, they turn the ventilation systems off so that the the several thousand birds suffocate in their own waste.
0: Yeah, sometimes millions in there. Yeah. so Horrible. Disgusting. It's evil. And I don't—I get super, super, duper irritated. And that's something that if I saw someone— physically abusing or hurting an animal I don't think I would be able to control myself a oh, thousand percent and yep. how I react with it yeah you know but if, if you are supporting these chicken industries mm-hmm. y- you are part of the entire problem and you know, a, you're part of that abuse yeah and and I've said before uh, someone that I know when when we're talking about a discussion about meat, they say, all I know is that it's it comes from the store and it's in styrofoam.
1: How immature and juvenile and cruel that statement is. Yeah. They don't have the capacity to understand what they just implied.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, if you you really need to think about it and just like with other topics that we've talked about with the clothes that you're wearing with with other things, you have to look at those industries and see, are you just supporting the corporatocracy Mm -hmm. or, you know, what what actions are you doing that's contributing to that evil?
1: So many municipalities are now allowing a certain amount of chickens Mm. to be raised. On site, And you could be doing that with, say, three to six bantams, if financial constraints and whatnot, that's a great way to start helping to reducing that dependence and also that stop patronizing these psychopathic
0: industries. I think it would, it would be remiss of us to not bring that up during that conversation that these are psychopathic industries and you do need to get away from them. And that's what we talk about when we say Do a parallel system, Mm -hmm. create something different so that your resources are, are more localized.
1: Absolutely. And it's not a whole, I mean, it doesn't really take a whole lot to just raise a few chickens and feed them table scraps, get them out in the yard to start eating that grass that you might have growing and then planting fruit trees and things like that to start help supplementing their diet.
0: Yeah. And for the love of God, please give them enough space to live and have recreation absolutely they need it they get bored just like we do they need to be able to go out they need things that interest them that they have to figure out like we have this ladder that we have for them to to roost on and we have these uh two like water trough barrels that we've turned over that Mm -hmm. they can go into they need to have that interaction with the world around them you can't just keep them in a tiny 10 by 10 little thing with a coop that's a couple of pieces of plywood.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like the, the tractor supply coops that are like $500 that are, I mean the one that you built, it was an eight by four coop, which houses 16 birds at night. They don't go in it during the day. So that's why we're able to keep it smaller and more economical. Except to you know, they go in the some of the girls go in there lay eggs, of course, but the majority of them are outside under the covers if they need it if inclement weather, but then the most of the time they're out there scratching around. And the main thing when you have that type of space is to make sure that they have something to scratch in. Having that bare soil is very counterproductive. You need to be able to put leaves, grass clippings, hay, straw, pine needles all in there so that they're very active and moving and keeping busy like you're saying, being occupied. Because when they're not, they start to peck each other. They start pulling out feathers. And then also it's not sanitary because they're literally in their own poop all the time.
0: And that's a big problem because one of the, the main afflictions of chickens is bumblefoot, which mm-hmm. is when they get... cut or scrape on the the bottom of their foot and then that gets infected with the um, poop and mud and stuff that they're walking in if they're in that situation. And that's totally avoidable. We had one girl that looked like she had bumblefoot once. It was probably more so gout. So we dealt with it with antibiotics. But that is the only one we've ever had.
1: Right, because we keep the ground covered with, we've got a lot of hay here, so we keep cutting it and throwing it in there and they absolutely love it i also did want to mention the whole i can't remember the correct term for it but it's where they keep piling the bedding inside and after like six months to a year they'll clean it out i think it's the deep litter method i think that's not helpful at all i don't really like that idea at most it's every two weeks that we clear out the pine shavings in our coop because that just invites the mites and the parasites in there and the lice
0: and other bugs that we exactly especially
1: even see. in summertime. Because when they're talking about the deep litter method, there was one place that was saying that
0: it's composting. Honey, if it's composting, it's damp and it's not good for those birds. No, and if it's composting, there's gonna be flies and stuff in it. We're we're not trying to do that.
1: Yeah. So that's why every two weeks we will clean it out. In the summertime it's every week. Yeah. It has to be, yeah. Yeah, because every day, basically we have the, the, we'll call them bales. I don't know what they're called, but they're from Tractor Supply, and they're all the pine shavings. We will, every night before they go in there to roost, we'll throw down a new layer of that for a week during the summertime, and then in winter it's every two weeks. And then I will rake all of that out into the wheelbarrow, and then I'll take it and put it either on the garden or around the base of fruit trees and it's a, oh my God, it's just perfect for fertilizer. It's the right combination of nitrogen and carbon. So it, it's just mixes perfectly and the, all the plants just adore it. But that's, we haven't had a mite issue or a lice issue at all. Mm-hmm. And we definitely keep up on those girls, making sure that everything is okay.
0: Yeah. And that's an important thing to do. Also, if that you're going to get chickens, you have to be out there and understand when they're being normal, when they're not being normal. Yes. Um, especially like a, a big issue is egg being egg bound. Mm-hmm. Where they're not able to. They're
1: listless. And yeah. Past really, the egg. Right. Droopy.
0: Yeah. If you don't catch that, they could, they could die within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So it's going kind to of lead like those serious situations that you have to be in tune and observant to understand yeah. what they're doing.
1: So, so far with 16 birds, we've only had three I'll call them medical scares or instances where we needed to make sure that they were okay and take, give them medication. The one with was what we thought was bumblefoot, but it it seems like it was might be gout because it's it's no longer an issue and it's there was no cut under the foot at all. No. It was just swollen.
0: Yeah, so we did a round of antibiotics.
1: Right. And the next one was Emily. She had an ear infection, which we put neosporin on the exterior of the ear, and then we gave her antibiotics as well. And then Martha, she tripped over one of the feeders and I think hit her throat. yeah, but we were we thought that she might have a problem with her crop. And so we were giving her some vetRX from tractor supply. And that resolved itself. So I think we've been doing pretty well for ourselves so far in terms of ailments.
0: We haven't we haven't lost anyone that didn't need to go.
1: Yes, exactly. And you know, so we had to put down the one rooster. We did order two roosters from Meyer, but they missed sexed one, and so we got three roosters. And he, the one that I had to put down was James, and he was just absolutely full of testosterone and go, 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 harassing everybody. He was a menace. And I think one of our main jobs on the farm is managing the system. And unfortunately, that means that there are incompatible individuals in that group that cause way too much chaos that are starting to hurt other animals, and they just don't fit here
0: yeah at a certain point it it, you just have to say is this what is best for the flock
1: and since we don't want to eat any of these animals it's very challenging to have to put one down and unfortunately james had to go but i think that was the best decision that we made and the same thing with our duck crook he was way too aggressive with the girls constantly trying to mate literally every Three to five minutes chasing them, pinning them down. They're Attacking them. Right. It yeah. wasn't mating at that point. It was just, you know, being a douche. And he had to go
0: as well. Yeah. And that's about the management. You, you have to make those decisions as gut-wrenching as they are.
1: You re- Yeah, you really do. Because obviously you raise them from little babies and you're there every single day of their life. And then you have to make that decision that they have to go. It's very challenging. Oh, yeah. I think one of the things that I want to talk about in a future book is how to feed the chickens from the property. I think going forward, that's a huge issue that we need to plan for. And with the available space, with the more space you have, the more plants you can grow to feed them. I know during the winter time, having more or less an evergreen type herbaceous forage around so that would be cold season grasses in this climate here in zone seven that would be clovers salad burnet oh and also wheat grass would be really helpful for them to graze during the winter time and then also during the summer they would have mulberries peaches apples pears plums and even grinding up acorns and chestnuts in the fall would be helpful as well to try to extend that season and extend the food production on site so that's something that we're going to be working towards and evolving as time goes on but i am definitely concerned about sourcing their food in the coming years because i think as we saw with the netherlands how they're going to be shutting down farms i think it'll be coming here as well and That means that it's going to be challenging the source food from tractor supply or the hardware store.
0: Yeah, so it's something that we can kind of focus on now so that we can create those parallel systems and uh, be able to feed the, the girls from the land sustainably.
1: Yeah, and that means like during the growing season, we have like the fruit trees out in rows in between the different lanes that they're able to go out to as we rotate around the central pen. And so we have cherry trees, we have peaches and apples. Like we said with the autumn olives, that's a great source of nutrition during the fall. It's high in lycopene and also essential fatty acids for a berry. That's kind of rare. So that would that's a great source of nutrition for the flock. And then during these very cold winter months in january right now i can see having cold season grasses almost like lawn grass basically in the different rows for them to graze during the winter months because they do like to eat a lot of vegetable matter
0: oh yeah whenever we open up one of the new runs for them to go into um they're, they're always find the little greens first and then the first couple of days then they're gone
1: right yeah right now they have chicory that were planted last spring that i have them in there so that they can go down and break up the tough clay they're working very well but we also found out by accident that they eat sunchokes and they eat sweet potatoes yeah they love them yeah they really did there was um some rabbits were digging up some of the sunchokes and the exposed ones the chickens started munching on them as well, which I was really surprised at. Oh, yeah. Which is really cool because the sun chokes are really prolific. So that's a great source of nutrition for them as well. Well, thank you for joining us today on our conversation about all things chickens and our experience with them. We really enjoy these birds and we highly encourage others to try to grow some of their own resilience with their flock. And if the big birds aren't really your thing maybe think about getting the bantams because they're also very productive with eggs but then they also eat a lot less food so something to think about as our world
0: is slowly being ripped apart and if you like the podcast you can check out our website at www.newrevenantsociety.com we'll see you next time
1: thanks guys